Welcome to this presentation of First Baptist Church Loeb. We're glad to have you joining us today. Our mission at FBC Loeb is to bring glory to God by being disciple makers. For that purpose, we present the following resource that it may be a blessing. Grab a Bible, turn to Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3, and in case you use one of our pew Bibles, uh, you can find that on page 223. In our last episode, we saw that while in search of food, uh, Ruth providentially met a man named Boaz, who is a prominent godly man in the town of Bethlehem, uh, who is also, as it happens, a relative of her, of her father-in-law, Elimelech's. And we saw that Boaz pulled out all the stops to provide for Ruth as she gleaned in his field during the harvest because he was impressed, one, by her commitment to Naomi and also by her faith in the Lord. And we left off at the end of chapter 2 with a curious detail given to us by the author that Ruth continued to live with Naomi through the harvest. And I hinted that that might be a clue about what was going to happen next. And so this morning we're going to continue watching the storyline unfold as we see that God provides redemption for his people. And so we're in Ruth chapter 3 and we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative, with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And so she replied, all that you say, I will do. And so as we pick up here in chapter 3, we fast forward in the story about six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks is about the amount of time that it took to complete the harvest. And at this time, Naomi decides that as Ruth's mother-in-law, she should seek rest for her. She should seek rest for her. At this point, Naomi is resigned to widowhood for the rest of her life. But as we've already seen, Ruth is still relatively young. As we saw back in chapter 1, she still has the opportunity for a fresh start. And so Naomi is determined to help her find a husband who will provide financial and personal security, rest. And presumably, it doesn't take her very long to zero in on Boaz. And we saw last week that Naomi remembered that Boaz was a relative who qualified to serve as a redeemer for their family. And so now she determines to pursue that opportunity for the well-being of Ruth. Now it's been asked why Boaz hasn't taken the initiative to pursue Ruth on his own, since he already recognizes who she is and the relationship that they have to each other. There are a number of, of possible explanations for why that might be. For one, he's probably been preoccupied with the harvest up to this point in the story. Since Ruth has come to Bethlehem, uh, he may be giving her time to finish processing and grieving the loss of her first husband. Perhaps he doesn't want to marry Ruth. There, there may be any number uh, of possibilities for why that may be the case. 
But I think the primary reason will actually be found at the end of the chapter. What we do know for certain is that Naomi decides to take matters into her own hands. And so in verses 3 through 5, she gives Ruth a series of instructions. She tells her to, to wash up, to anoint herself with some nice perfume, to put on her cloak, and then go down to the threshing floor in the evening, wait for Boaz to fall asleep, and then uncover his feet, lay down beside him, and wait to, for him to give her further instructions. And so Naomi understands that the harvest is over, and so now everyone is threshing their wheat and their barley down at the threshing floor, which is where they process their grain. And so she gives Ruth these instructions. Now this plan is, is interesting for a couple of reasons. For one, nothing like this procedure is found anywhere else in the Old Testament. And so that tells us that this is probably rooted in some kind of local custom at the time, or Naomi is just really going out on a limb here with a, a very interesting plan for getting Ruth a husband. But secondly, there's also a significant risk of this being taken the wrong way, either by Boaz or by others. You see, several of the words that Naomi uses here have more than one meaning. You could classify them as double entendres, if you would like. And so, uh, she's, uh, there are a number of people who have interpreted this to mean that Naomi is actually encouraging Ruth to try to seduce Boaz, although the flow of the story makes that highly unlikely. But many people have interpreted it that way. But on top of that, as landowners and their workers spent the night out at the threshing floor, uh, working and protecting their grain, it was not uncommon for, for prostitutes to take advantage of the opportunity and, and to go out to the men uh, away from home and, and offer their services to them. And so in a number of ways, Ruth's actions here could be misconstrued as being very immoral, which would completely ruin her chances of marrying a man of prominent standing like Boaz, whether he or the larger community misinterpret her intentions. And so this plan is probably either going to work or it's going to go very badly. Ruth is either going to come out of this uh, with a, a new husband and a bright future, or if Boaz or the larger community misinterpret her intentions, she's going to come out utterly rejected with no husband and with an even uh, worse future than she would have had before. But despite the risk, we see at the end of verse 5 that Ruth trusts Naomi, and she agrees to do everything she said. And we'll find out what happens next as we pick up again in verse 6. It says, So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. When Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. 
So Ruth follows Naomi's instructions step by step. She, she freshens up, she makes herself presentable, then she goes down to the threshing floor, she waits for Boaz to finish working, eat, relax for the evening, and when he lays down and falls asleep, she, she comes up and lays down next to him after uncovering his feet. And in verse 8, we see that around midnight, Boaz is, is startled, and he wakes up. And he may have heard something that, that uh, woke him up, or perhaps he just realized that his feet were cold because they've been uncovered. And, and so he, he comes to, and, and he rolls over to get more comfortable, and behold, there's a woman there. And he's pretty sure that she wasn't there before. And so he asks the obvious question, who are you? And she answers, I'm Ruth, your servant. And then she says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And so just like that, wasting no time, Ruth puts all of her cards on the table. And so uh, you may recognize that her response echoes the words that Boaz used in, her bless- in his blessing of Ruth last week in chapter 2, when he recognized that Ruth had come under the wings of the Lord for refuge, and that's no doubt intentional. Ruth is essentially saying to Boaz, I am looking to you to be the source of the Lord's provision in my life. All right? You, as a redeemer, are going to be the means by which God provides for me. And so she essentially asks him to cover her with his blanket. That's what she means when she says, spread your wings over me. And that would serve as a sign of his willingness and his intention to redeem her. And in verse 10, when Boaz realizes what's going on, he once again blesses Ruth for her actions. He tells her that she has done the right thing in approaching him. And that this act of kindness is even greater than the first. Now the first kindness, as we saw last week, was in Ruth's willingness to leave behind everything that she had ever known in order to stay with Naomi through thick and thin. And we saw that that moved Boaz. But now Boaz sees further kindness to Naomi and that Ruth has come to him instead of trying to get with someone younger. So we've already established the fact that Boaz is somewhat older than Ruth is. And so if Ruth was just looking to get remarried for herself, then she could have easily tried to attract someone who was her age, uh, someone who might be considered more compatible to her. But by coming to Boaz, she reveals that her intentions, her desire, is to be redeemed according to the Old Testament law, which in turn would secure provision for Naomi as well. And so once again, Boaz recognizes Ruth doing what she is doing for Naomi as much as she is doing it for herself. Now, it's also possible, although we don't know for certain, that part of what makes this act of kindness greater than the first is that it is also directed to Boaz personally. While we know that Boaz is a man of standing in the community, Uh, What what we don't know is is nothing has been said about him having a family of his own. Of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't already have one, but it's an interesting detail to be missing from the story. And so it's possible that if Boaz is the righteous man that he is portrayed to be in the story, and that if he was living in a time where God's people in large part were unfaithful, 
And perhaps living in a small town, he never found a suitable spouse. Or perhaps, like Ruth, perhaps he has been married and lost a spouse. We don't know, but it is possible that in God's providential working throughout this story, that Ruth approaching Boaz is also fulfilling his lifelong desire to have a godly wife and family. But at any rate, in verse 11, Boaz agrees to redeem her. And he points out that all of the people in Bethlehem know that she is a virtuous woman, a woman of high moral character and devotion to the Lord. So this is good news. This is great news. This is the best possible outcome that, have, that could have been expected. However, there is one small, tiny, not so inconsequential kink to the story, which we'll see as we pick up again one last time, beginning in verse 12. Boaz says, and now it is true that I'm a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. And so Ruth has come to Boaz and asked him to redeem her. And we all know that this is not a conversation where you want to hear a but, right? Like, I like you, but not like that. Or, I really like you, but I'm not in a place to be in a relationship at this particular point in time, right? Buts don't go well in these conversations. But here in verse 12, we get a but. Boaz agrees to redeem Ruth. But he also recognizes that there is another male relative who is closer to Elimelech on the family tree than he is. And what that means is that this other relative has, be, has to be given the opportunity to redeem Ruth before he can. He has the primary responsibility, and only after him would Boaz come into play. Now, I think that this is what explains the question from earlier about why Boaz hasn't pursued Ruth on his own. He recognizes that it's not his place, that there's this other guy in the family who is first in line in terms of responsibility. But he tells her to go ahead and stay put for the rest of the night, and then the next day he will find this other guy and find out what he wants to do. And if this other relative is willing to redeem her, then, then that'll be just fine. But if not, then Boaz takes an oath before the Lord that he will redeem Ruth. And you get the idea from the language that he uses that he's actually hoping uh, that he will be able to redeem her. And so this is still great news, right? One way or another, Ruth is going to be redeemed. And, and it may have been pitch black in the middle of that night, but in Ruth's mind, things have never looked brighter. She has hope 
for the first time in, in what certainly seemed like a long time. And so uh, we see that uh, she wakes up the next morning, and before uh, it is daylight, the text says, before one person could recognize another. And as she leaves, Boaz makes it clear to his workers that no one is to know that she had come to the threshing floor that night. Again, he recognizes how easily this could be misinterpreted. And so he wants to protect her reputation by making sure people don't get the wrong idea. But before she goes, Boaz tells Ruth to give him her scarf, and he fills it with six measures of grain. Now, a measure is not a, a formal unit of weight, and so kind of like an ephah last week, there's been lots of speculation in terms of how much grain this actually is, and, and proposals have varied from six handfuls all the way up to 300 pounds, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't 300 pounds. It's somewhere, somewhere in between there. But however much it was, the point is that Boaz sends Ruth home with even more grain, both as an ongoing provision for her and Naomi, and also as a sign of his intent to secure redemption for them one way or another. And so Ruth gets home, and Naomi obviously wants to know how things went. And so Ruth tells her about everything that happened, and, and she shows her the grain that Boaz sent with her, and Naomi is relieved. She tells Ruth that before the day is over, they will know what's going to happen, because Boaz is the kind of man who gets things done. And so things are continuing to improve for Ruth and Naomi. There is finally light at the end of their tunnel. But a question still remains. Will Ruth be redeemed by Boaz? Or will this other man scoop her up for himself instead? Join us next week as we read the dramatic final chapter of the story of Ruth. So as the story continues to develop here in chapter 3, we've come to a point of relief after everything that has happened over the course uh, from the very beginning. While, while there are still some loose ends that need to be tied up, there are still some questions that need to be answered, uh, the good news is that one way or another, Ruth and Naomi are going to be redeemed. One of their relatives, at significant cost, is going to deliver them out of poverty and provide them with stability for the rest of their lives. And the point of chapter 3, which you could argue is the point of the entire book of Ruth, is that God provides redemption for his people. God provides redemption for his people. You see, there's a sense in which there's nothing particularly special about Ruth. Obviously, there is something special about Ruth, which we'll see when we conclude the story next week. But at the same time, what has happened here in the story is just one of any number of redemption stories among the ancient Israelites. This is something that happened frequently as family members redeemed one another out of difficult circumstances. You see, the Lord built the process of redemption into the Old Testament law so that his people, who, who found themselves in difficult circumstances, would be taken care of. And, and in that sense, Ruth and Naomi are no different from anyone else. But more importantly... We need to understand that the Lord built the process of redemption into the Old Testament law so that his people would remember who he is and what he has done for them. You know, the Old Testament is well known for all of its various laws, and many of them can sometimes seem strange or confusing to us. Right? Why were there so many things that they couldn't eat? Why did they have to wear 
particular kinds of clothes, and why did they have to make all these different sacrifices? But one thing that we often fail to appreciate is that all of the laws ultimately pointed God's people back to who he was and what he did for them. All of the Old Testament laws reflected who God is and what he does for his people. And so when it came to redemption, as God gives the Israelites the law, he constantly comes back to the fact that he has redeemed them. He tells them, you'll do this because I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt in slavery. So we see that redemption, like all of the other laws, ultimately had a theological significance. So that every time this situation came up, every time one family member redeemed another out of a difficult situation, they were reminded, and, and the watching community was reminded, of who God was and how he had redeemed them in in their own uh, national life. God provides redemption for his people, and this was supposed to be a reminder of that. Of course, ultimately, the theme of redemption culminates in Jesus, who has redeemed his people out of slavery to sin and death. And so as we went through Paul's letter to Titus, he reminds us that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us, from all lawlessness. And in his letter to the Galatians, he writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So why did Jesus come into our world and take on human flesh? He did it so that he could serve as our Redeemer. In entering the human race, Jesus qualified as a family member. He is a fellow human, and in that, he was able to pay the price for our deliverance through his life, death, and resurrection. You see, by nature, we are spiritually impoverished. We are enslaved to our own sin. We are captive to the reality of death, and there is nothing that we can do about that on our own. We are in need of redemption. And because God provides redemption for his people, Jesus came for us. And he paid the price for our salvation with his own blood as a sacrifice for our sin. And he calls us to turn to him in faith and repentance, trusting only in what he has done to make us right with God once again. And by faith, we are redeemed. The Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts. He gives us the ability to follow Jesus in obedience and to live our lives according to his design. And on top of that, we have the promise that one day we will live with him forever in the new heaven and the new earth when every aspect of creation that has been damaged by the effects of sin will also be redeemed. And everything that has gone wrong will be made right once and for all. The good news of Ruth chapter 3 is that God provides redemption for his people. The only question that remains is, have you been redeemed? Have you received and taken hold of God's promise by responding to the gospel and placing all of your faith in Christ? If not, then I hope, I certainly hope with all of my heart that you will. But if you have, 
And let's join together this morning as we worship our great God and Savior. Let's pray together.